1: hawkeye nation podcast hawkeye i am andrew downs along with rob how rob how you doing today
0: starting to wake up uh (laughs) these (laughs) these late starts are wearing me out but uh at least uh because i get home and it's like You know, I think I left the arena last night at like 1130, something like that. I get home at midnight and then I'm wide awake and then I (laughs) finally get to bed and it's time to get up and help the kids get ready for school. So such is life. As a sports reporter,
1: that was the thing, though. Even as a fan, you know, last week it was it was one of the games last week, and an eight o'clock tip. And I think I even tweeted out, "Man, they they need to get away from these eight o'clock tips." Because and last night was a seven thirty tip, but still, you get so invested in the game. You're watching. You know, the game ends around ten o'clock. Uh, th- then I start you know, looking for your coverage, you know, reading articles, all this stuff, waiting for the, the post-game videos to come out. I'm all amped up. I'm all jacked up, especially after a, a big win. And yeah, it's it's midnight before I know it. And yeah, I've, I have kids and a job and I have to wake up in the morning and um, I guess... I guess that's a first-world problem. Uh, if if I was losing all these games, I'm probably going right to bed. So uh, it's a problem I will take. But you're right; it's the, these later tips have been have been tough. Uh, last night, a 7:30 tip at Carver Hawkeye Arena, Rob. I know you were in the house against Wisconsin. A game that uh, I know. Even yesterday, a couple of people have said to me, "Ah, well." And especially when Kobe King, uh, Wisconsin's second leading scorer, didn't make the trip, and uh, some things up in the air about that—that that, uh, that they'll have to deal with. Uh, kind of some different reports I saw as to why he didn't make the trip, but. Uh, that's neither here nor there. At some point yesterday, people said, "Well, I was Iowa should definitely win this game. They're they're going to win this game. You know, not even something you have to worry about." And when people start talking like that, is when I start to get worried, especially against a Wisconsin <laughs> team that that seems to have had Iowa's number not just in basketball but in in every sport recently. And and so, you know, thirty five minutes into that game last night, um, I was not surprised at where Iowa was. I was uh, I, I had been kind of expecting a game like that, but. Again, it was just hit repeat right on 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 this kind of talking point. this tough team, this resilient team was able to find a way, didn't let themselves get down too much and uh and overcame some bad shooting to to get a nice win um, What a game last night
0: yeah, and I'm with you um it's really not smart to um chalk up any. Big Ten game as a win, particularly against Wisconsin, who had won eight, I I believe, eight of ten against Iowa coming into that game and and swept them last year. Um, So, yeah, and they they were coming off a really bad performance at Purdue. And as you mentioned, Kobe King was out. And that seemed like eh, there just seems to be some layers under the surface there that, can motivate a team to rally. And I thought it did that last night. Wisconsin played well. Um, Iowa did not shoot well again, um, as it did in its, you know, it didn't shoot well in its previous loss at Nebraska when it was four for 33. And then last night, what were they, three of 20 or something like that from three-point range. And it was nice to see them overcome that last night. And they did it with defense. I thought the three-quarter court um trap really sped wisconsin up got wisconsin out of that deliberate approach that it likes so much because really for three quarters of that game the badgers dictated the pace and then iowa's defense ratcheted things up and got wisconsin uncomfortable and i, I thought that was the difference that and I thought joe tussant was key down the stretch
1: he he was he was fantastic. He he had a couple of huge and one plays late in the game, uh, and and his his resurgence. I mean, resurgence isn't the right word. His kind of you know surge here in the Big Ten season. We we've seen him. You can almost you can watch it on the court as he he's so quick and he's so fast. And for a long time uh, this season, a long time, a handful of games, I guess. Uh, the he. It was almost too much. He thought he needed to slow down a little bit. Well, now you're starting to see him slow down. He, he he'll get into that front court, but then he'll, he'll kind of back it out if there's nothing there. You're seeing him the, the game kind of come to him a little bit. He's finding his offense. He passed up a couple of threes last night that, that I thought was smart of him to not take, um, but able to get to the rim when he needs to. And he, he's really starting to be able to run that offense. Uh, the The way he is playing right now is exactly what you need. I heard Ross Peterson say on on KXNO last night that. You know his his key to that game last night was does Tucson have more than nine points? If he does, I think Iowa wins. If he doesn't, they probably lose. And and Tucson had eleven, and Iowa wins, and they were eleven big points. Um, we we can see it, and it's it starting to be a talking point, not just within our fan base, but. Uh, I think I saw John Rothstein last night tweet something about, you know, keep an eye on, on Joe Tucson at Iowa. This is, a you know, an up-and-coming kid. Do you, when you're talking to the players uh, and, and Coach McCaffrey after the game, is that something that, that they're noticing too? Or are they starting to see that he's really, you know, halfway through his first season here and, and well into the Big Ten season, really starting to kind of figure this all out?
0: Yeah, I think they know, you know, not that they wouldn't have without the injuries, but they know they need him now. And his growth is important to the success of this team. I think the term X factor maybe gets overused in sports, but he really is kind of the litmus test of where this team is going. If he if he's playing well, it makes this team that much harder because it's a guy that can – break teams down off the dribble and then also on ball defend and he he did both of those things well last night he was a plus 16 he was by far you know if you if you buy into the plus minus metric uh he was just fantastic last night and um you know i was i was watching early in the second half he he pulled up and took a jump shot early in the shot clock Fran looked at the assistant coaches and was like, "You know, I could kind of read his lips. I'll keep it clean, but <laughs> it, it was it was basically, what is he doing?" And then he put Bakari Evelin in for him, brought him to the bench, and they just I, I he is not a kid. Sometimes that will rattle a freshman, a new guy, um, and he'll get down on himself and hang his head. But when when iowa when the staff does that with with joe he responds well to it he goes back in and he i want to say learns his lesson but he grows from it and is better when he goes back on the court and that's just really a positive sign for me when i when i see that things like that happening um it's it's encouraging that he's getting better and we see it You know, as the games go on and during games, but it's it's interesting to watch that process and to see him get better and his confidence build, and and I think his teammates are gaining confidence in him as well, and all of that bodes well for the Hawkeyes.
1: You know, another first-year player who's you could probably use the term X-factor. For is C.J. Frederick, who had another good game last night, seventeen points. Uh, even on a night where you know the shots weren't always falling, found a way to to get those points and you know get to the free throw line, made five of six there. He the 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 level of confidence he plays with is is almost shocking for for a player of of his age. Um, he he just really feels like. He's in control and he's okay with you know the the big moments, the big spots, and it's it's been a lot of fun to watch him uh, this season. And it really seems like, and and maybe you can give give us some insight into this. I haven't even thought about that injury in the last you know week or so, which again you know, three weeks ago I thought may have been a season ender, and now I, I'm not even thinking about it. Is is he completely over that, um, or is that still something they're they're monitoring closely? And and kind of what do you think about his game? I guess just overall
0: yeah I think Andrew they'll they'll keep an eye on it but it was one and we talked about this when it was going on it's it's just one of those tricky injuries where it's a you know it's swelling inside of the bone and it's hard to really know what's going on in there so you know I think and and human nature we were all thinking the worst and and coach McCaffrey was um you know preparing us for the worst and and it was kind of a snowball effect with the other you know coming on the heels of all those other injuries we all were kind of thinking the worst and fortunately it wasn't as bad as we all thought and it it, you know he looks fine I I thought last night uh, one of the keys to the game was his ability to to dribble and and collapse the defense a little bit as well as Toussaint he's really he's good off the bounce he's not just a stationary spot up shooter he does a lot of things off the ball and with the ball in terms of driving and breaking down defenses so and he's a good defender as well so yeah I I almost feel like he is and it's you know it's it's crazy to think this him being a first year player and a freshman but i'm confident that we know what we're going to get from him night in and night out i don't i don't expect like up and down play from him he's really consistent he and Wieskamp camp and garza are really the consistent offensive players and then connor mccaffrey i think it's <laughs> he just and and I, I do a podcast with Greg Bruner for for us as well, yeah. and and Greg is always singing Connor's praises. Connor does those little things, and he's he doesn't need the ball in his hands to to be productive. And I thought last night he did a nice job of just keeping Iowa in the flow on both ends of the court, and uh, he's kind of that. That role player that knows what's going on out there at all times, and and gl- uh, the glue guy, if you will, to keep things together. But yeah, we're we're kind of seeing Andrew. This team, its identity, each game, kind of comes a little becomes a little bit more clear, and uh, it's. It's pretty exciting. I think the ceiling is still pretty high for this team.
1: You know, and that, that's a, something I'd, I'd written down here in my notes is I'm starting to feel like no game is out of reach for this team because I've uh, there's been a couple of times now where I've almost given up on the team and, and they clearly hadn't. And they, they were able to, to come back and pull out a win. It's also starting to feel like no goal is out of reach for this team. And, and yeah, for me as a fan who's, uh, you know, braces for things, that that's a bit scary for me, right, to, to think that this huh. is a team that – that maybe can compete at the top of the Big Ten. Maybe can, you know, you know. Now we're starting to talk about seeding. Whereas a month ago, it may have been crazy to even talk about the NCAA tournament. It's. I don't know why I'm so wary to go into this. Maybe it's because it was. It's. It feels like it's so unexpected. And it also, while it while it feels sustainable, it, it also feels like you're an injury away from from it all falling apart. But man, this team is. It's. It's so enjoyable. I, I know Coach McCaffrey has said a couple of times it's you know one of his favorite teams to to be around and, and to coach. It's certainly becoming a fan favorite team, and, and how could it not? The way this team plays night in and night out, and and again, it's going to is it feels like it's going to feel like no matter no matter the deficit or, or how much time is left on that clock, this team is going to find a way to if not claw if if not come all the way back and win, at least claw back in and, and make a game respectable. I, I don't see this team getting blown out much this year.
0: No, I don't either. Not unless something freakish happens, yeah. as you said, an injury or something to that effect. But they just, you know, the guys on this team just keep coming. They don't really—they're not—they're unfazed by any adversity. At least they have been to this point. But I do think that they're in the back of everybody's minds, at least if it's just even a tiny seed. Um, I just think there are wounds from years past where things have have gone downhill when it looked like things were going really well. I just, this team just feels different. And I think it, each game, it builds confidence. The players build confidence and and get more confident in each other. And then I think we as onlookers become a little bit more confident that this team is not going to, to fold or fade or whatever the word is you want to use. And, it, it Like I said, it's building that identity of toughness, mental toughness, physical toughness. That game last night was really physical, and Wisconsin did everything it could to muck things up. And Iowa is showing ability to win no matter what style you want to play it. It's finding a way to win that style, and that's another encouraging aspect of this team. It, it can win in a variety of ways, and last night... I I, I mentioned this earlier, they were awful offensively at Nebraska. They were bad offensively for a lot of last night, but still found a way to win. Um, And that's, that's, uh, that's a mark of a good team. That's a mark of a team that can do some really good things when you find ways to win on nights where maybe things aren't going well, particularly offensively.
1: You know, I know you were in the arena. I, I wasn't last night. Uh, what was the? I guess what was the crowd like? Because I, I know there were. The, it, it wasn't full, and there, there were a lot of tickets available just a few days ago. And, and we're starting to get to the point in the season where I was good enough that fans are, are starting to get a little upset that you know Carver's not sold out every night. But it, it always feels like the crowd is into it. It always feels like they're they're playing a factor. And especially late in that game, you know, I. I you could see how people would have checked out by that point. But there were a couple of possessions. I think Stephen Bardo on the uh, on the broadcast even said, you know, this is a a, a smart basketball crowd to, to get up for Iowa had, you know, closed the gap to six or something and, and were playing defense. And the crowd really got up because they understood, you know, with six minutes left in a six-point game, this defensive stop is huge. You know, if, if, if I was going to come back and win this game, these things are going to start having to be put together possession by possession. Um so what was the crowd like last night in Carver, and and did it feel like they gave up at any point? Because certainly on TV towards the end, it, it didn't feel like that at all.
0: I didn't sense that at all, Andrew. And um, I think a couple things: the crowd, it was big. I mean, it was one of the bigger crowds this year. There were some empty seats, but not a lot. And I thought the student section was great. That that was as most. That was the mo- and and unfortunately, just the way. Um, the season breaks down, a lot of the home games, I shouldn't say a lot, but a number of the home games happen when the students are on break and that really affects the crowd it, it just kind of, they they're not here so they're not at the games but last night they showed out really well and i thought they were into the game the whole time uh a lot of those i don't know what you call those the head the head like the cutout heads of different personalities <laughs> yeah. that they hold up and you know they had some signs going and um I thought the crowd I I agree with Bardo I think that it's a smart crowd that knows when it's time to ratchet things up and uh, I thought particularly when Iowa you know picked up the defense played that three quarter court trap and was and and wisconsin was having some trouble getting the ball across the timeline and and finding open players that the crowd was getting loud then and i think helped force some turnovers from wisconsin i think it was davidson that just fired that ball over one of his teammates head heads when he was trying to break the press and i thought the, the crowd was a huge part of that so I don't really see an issue with the crowds. I think Sunday will be a a really good crowd because, again, it's a Sunday afternoon. I think – and we talked about at the top, you know, for us, Andrew, uh, you know – being tired and you know getting up the next day with our kids that's life and a lot of people if they're coming from distance and the weather's been a problem this year um i understand what, understand why it hasn't been sold out but it, i don't think it's hurt the crowd at all and i think the crowd has really helped iowa at home this season
1: and then here we are again, Rob. Twenty minutes into a conversation about Iowa basketball, we haven't mentioned Luca Garza yet because all he did last night was another ho hum. You know, twenty-one points, eighteen rebounds. I believe a career high in rebounds. Uh, you know, nine of thirteen from the free throw line, which was huge. Didn't didn't shoot well. Really physical down low, and 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 got got some calls, but didn't get. Didn't get all the calls. It certainly didn't seem like they 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 were letting him play last night, uh, and and struggled at times, especially in the first half, to you know, make some of the plays that we're just used to seeing him make. I, at halftime, I remember thinking, man, Garza's having an off night. He's not playing well. And then I look and he had nine points and eight rebounds. And I'll go quick, okay, he's, he's still playing pretty well. This guy is just doing this night in and night out. And even when teams, you know, throw everything at him to, to try to stop him, and even when Iowa isn't shooting well outside to make teams pay for that, uh, he gets his. And, and I was finding a way to do this. At this point, Garza's is, you know, the best big man in the Big Ten. He's certainly a first team All Big Ten selection right now, probably a first team all-american selection and and chalking up the type of season that's going to go down as as one of if not the greatest in in iowa basketball history it's it's remarkable
0: yeah he's a force there's no doubt about it and um last night when i like i people that know i shoot photos on the baseline in the first half uh right next to the wisconsin bench and Whenever Luka got the ball, they just the bench would scream, dig, dig, and uh, one or two guards would come down or another big man would come down and crash on him. He just draws so much attention from the opposing team that it opens things up for his teammates even when he doesn't score. Um, he just impacts the game all over the place and he played pretty good defense last night he had a couple block shots and uh, obviously rebounded well he drew 12 fouls which the probably could have been 22 uh, he was just getting yes. pounded on all night and he almost thrives on that I, I think when people when teams get physical with him he uh, feeds off that and and comes even harder at them so um he is the focal point and you know, we see games where guys like that just kind of hit a wall and we're still waiting for that to happen to Luca. And maybe it does. Um, we'll talk probably about the schedule coming up here and, and, you know, teams that are in you know, second time through the big 10 teams will maybe come up with different ways to try to stop him, but we're still waiting to see somebody, tr- you know, accomplish that. And, with each game it's becoming harder and harder to imagine him just having a night where he scores four points and gets two rebounds or even even is like a 10 and five or something like that i just i think each night he's just gonna get his he's that good
1: it's 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 been so much fun to watch it's it's incredible and now you just worry is it too good and then is is he gone after this season but we can talk about that later. We can think about that later. No, no need to put any damper on on what's happening right now. Iowa wins a fifth straight game, and now fifteen and five on the season, six and three in the Big Ten, and that's just one game back from Illinois and Michigan State, who are tied at seven and two atop the league. Iowa tied with Rutgers and Maryland, uh, who they have a tiebreaker over right now, uh, although that could change uh, this week as as Iowa now travels to Maryland. You know, two two and zero so far in this big stretch, this kind of four game stretch that I think a lot of us had circled. Starting with the Rutgers game last night against Wisconsin, then you get at number fifteen Maryland Thursday night, home against number nineteen Illinois. On Sunday, so three of these four games against ranked teams, you're two and zero so far, and this is a uh, this this is a huge stretch. This is a big game Thursday night at Maryland. It'll be interesting to see if this defense can travel to see if they can uh, get out of that that slump they were in shooting. They they really didn't break out of that much last night. You're right. the the defense late in the game, really put it on. Um, they were able to win the game at the free throw line to some extent with some of the flagrant stuff that was happening. Uh, good on Connor McCaffrey to. Uh, you know, call attention to the the you know nut shot that he took for for lack of a better phrase. I mean, no,
0: that's well put. Uh, yeah,
1: and, and, you know, so good on him for that to keep his composure and then you know draw attention to that. But um, it'll be interesting to see Thursday night. This is a, obviously a, a huge game for Iowa to to kind of stay in this running and and each win is just going to announce themselves more as a contender and and announce themselves more nationally and then and then put more uh, weight on the, the the game to follow so Thursday night at Maryland kind of the next really really big test for this team
0: I'm curious before I move on to that did, did they did you know did you know watching on TV what had happened because they came out of the timeout and I didn't even realize something was going on nobody in press road did. Until they announced that it was a flagrant foul, did they? Show, were you guys aware of that on TV before they announced it?
1: Not initially. No, they okay. they they had the timeout, and they I think they went to break. Uh, they came back, and then they started to kind of show that slow mo replay of you. Davison coming through and kind of wrapping that leg, hooking that leg, and that's when you started. They started to kind of talk about it, but no, initially because it was that Wieskamp camp finger roll that was so huge at the time, um, mm-hmm. and and you know the play was kind of off. Off, you know, out out of the focus right there. So no, initially on, on TV, nobody noticed that they didn't say anything. They, it was kind of the same thing. They came back from break and said, "All right, here's what's going on." They showed the replay a couple of times before they made the announcement of of what was ultimately going to happen, uh, and just what a huge what a huge play, what a huge uh, mistake by Wisconsin to really kind of seal that loss for them.
0: Yeah, just amazing that Davison would take you know. I don't know what goes through your mind to do something like that in such a tight game, but really, I think it was what a three, Iowa had a three-point lead at the time, yes. and then McCaffrey got the free throws.
1: Yep, and then Iowa got the ball back.
0: Yeah, that just was huge. That How, was. Yeah, <laughs> that, and that was all part of it. I, I, uh, Wisconsin led by twelve with seven thirteen left, and Iowa outscored them twenty-three to five from there. So, um, yeah, a lot of those things, and then. Pritzel, I think, was mouthing there, at Garza, was which got Garza there. going, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, because Garza got that tech, and, and they never really showed what what he said. But yeah, I, I posted a video on my Twitter feed, at Andrew C. Downs last night, and, and you can see Pritzel, because Garza gets knocked down, and he's laying in the lane, and Pritzel, he, he's looking down, and, and he says something. And it takes Garza, it's a, it was about a two-second where Garza's just kind of laying there. And I don't know what was said, but it was something that that pissed him off because he he shot up then and and went after him, and so I don't know what was said by Pritzel, uh, but it, it it looked like I mean clearly from the video that Pritzel said something to set Garza off, and and then Garza went after him, and and then there, yeah that was a long break there it was they tried to figure that out, and and again on TV. They never really showed what was going on. It was almost a shock when they came back and said Garza had been issued a technical foul. It was like, wh- what do you mean he got? He was the one who got hit in the face and knocked into the lane. Uh, but uh, apparently, he must have said something, you know, coming back at Pritzel there that the the refs heard and didn't like.
0: That was probably a cumulative effect too, because yes. Pritzel was he was talking nonstop and he was trying to get under Iowa's skin the whole game and. They have a few players that like to do that, and they do. Uh, the, that's just kind of. It was good Wisconsin of Iowa way. not really to, um, you know, fall into the trap that they were trying to set and uh, overcome that. So, yeah, um, it was nice to beat Wisconsin without question <laughs> in the in the one play this year. So Iowa is what they're two and zero in the one plays. That's right. Yes. So, yeah, and they still have one play at Michigan State, I believe, which is huge. And I'm not sure what the other one play is. It might can't remember, but anyway.
1: Well, they, um, they, they'll they'll play Maryland for the second time here, and as right. you said, you know, coming coming through the the schedule a, a second time, it'll be interesting to see how teams change. Obviously, you know, the game being at Maryland is a whole different thing. But you know, Iowa beat Maryland by what twenty almost uh, at Carver Hawkeye Arena just a couple of weeks ago, so I, I don't expect that kind of a game. But I, I'm also not chalking this up as a, a for sure loss for Iowa by any means.
0: No, I, I, it'll be competitive. And it is one of the tougher places to play. They they do have a great crowd, a great, great student question uh, student section. Excuse me. It's uh, it is a basketball school. That's their number one sport, and um, it will be a, a you know Iowa's going to have to play composed, but it's done that before. Um, what what'll be interesting for me this week, Andrew, is this will be a really a test. Of Iowa's lack of depth, Mm. having to play at home on Monday, you know, a physical game against a rival, travel halfway across the country to play a rematch against you know another top twenty-five team, and then come home on Sunday and against another rival who you know that it's that's in first place in the conference. If you look at the minutes last night. Garza played 37, Frederick played 37, Wieskamp played 35, yeah. Connor McCaffrey, Coff, excuse me, Connor McCaffrey, Con, yeah, <laughs> I am tired today. <laughs> Connor, Connor McCaffrey played 30, Toussaint played 25, and Kreener 20 off the bench, so it'll be interesting to see, because you can't just say, okay, I, I got to give guys a rest, you know, if you're if you're Fran McCaffrey, you, you got to play your guys, but... You know, three games in a seven-day stretch, tough games with a long road trip. Um, and I'm interested to see how these guys hold up.
1: Yeah, you need to get one of these next two, I think. If, if you want to stay kind of where Iowa is in this conversation, obviously a, a sweep of this would be fantastic. But uh, realistically, you get one of these next two, you stay in the rankings, you stay in, in those the upper section of the, the Big Ten standings. Because, you know, Rob, we've, we've talked about this before, too. There's such a bunch of... There uh, in the Big Ten, I mean Purdue is in tenth place right now at four and five. Uh, you lose a couple of these games, and and you fall drastically in these in these standings very quickly. And all of a sudden, you know some of the kind of pipe dream, you know maybe top crust hopes for this team start to go out the window if, if you lose a couple of these games. So it's hard to say. You have to. You have to go four and zero in a run against you know three ranked teams in a tough schedule. You know you're playing four games in a couple of weeks, but if you want to if you want to have this type of a season that that we're starting to think is possible, these are the games you need to win, and uh, that that's just kind of the way it is. So I, I think one of these next two is is key for Iowa.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, we, we tend to look as he- ahead as fans. I think for those guys, they're, they're it's cliche, but they are taking it one game at a time and just trying to, to focus on that one game. And if you lose, you just, you know, pick it, pick it up and, and move forward and, you know, not dwell too much on, on, you know, maybe a loss. And this team's been good at that. This team hasn't, you know, fallen victim to any of that. And it's, you know... You, you, I, this this conference, you have to protect the home court. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you drop that one on Thursday, and I'm not chalking that up to a loss, as you said. I, it's a winnable game, but if you fall there, you have to come back and really buckle down for that game against Illinois at home. Because um, this it's it's a tough stretch. They've got you know Purdue, you know, at West Lafayette. After that, they got a game coming up in Indiana. Um, You know, tough, tough games on the road in this conference night in and night out. Um, We'll see how how the minutes and and the shorter bench affects this team. And I I think for me, Andrew, you know, winning a conference championship would be great. but the key for me, and we've talked about this, is to get one of those top four spots and get the double bye. Yeah, when you have a shorter bench, and you only that makes it so you only have to win three games in three days, and instead of beyond that, when you get to Indianapolis in the Big Ten tournament.
1: Ah, it's fun. This is so much fun. This season has been great. This team is so much fun to watch. It's fun to talk about uh, another big game Thursday night. We're going to take a quick break, and then we got some, uh, some other things to get to here on the Hawkeye Nation podcast. Nothing says home more than family and friends around the table, especially when the food is from Fairway. High-quality, hand-cut meats, fresh produce, and affordable pricing. Be sure you're ready for family by stocking up on everything from the best possible source. Refreshingly Fairway. All right, Rob, uh, Some some. we'll move on from basketball here. Some other things to, to hit on fairly quickly. Uh, one of the things last week, we haven't talked since uh, since Iowa picked up a grad transfer on the offensive line, Koi Kronk from Indiana. How big of a deal is this?
0: I think it's uh, big to huge. I'd, I'd okay. classify it in that. That area, the big to huge. I mean, this is a kid that started 40 games at Indiana. He started at left tackle as a true freshman. Um, he played four games last last year, uh, started all four at, at left tackle before suffering a, a pretty gruesome ankle injury. And, and I think that's a key to kind of keep an eye on because he's here now. How much he'll be able to work in the spring uh, coming off of that injury And where he fits into the mix with Tristan Wirfs leaving for the NFL, obviously that opens up a spot at right tackle, but you know, does Kronk, kick inside and Kallenberger switch out to right tackle does Kallenberger stay inside and Kronk move to right tackle and with Iowa and any offensive line for that matter you want to build some continuity so if he can if he's able to to be healthy um, this spring that will be huge but obviously you add a, a graduate transfer a guy that's played 40 games uh of Big Ten football that's a plus. Wherever he slots in, whether it's a backup role, a starting role, whatever, it just adds line depth. And uh, we've talked about it before on the podcast. That was an area of concern, uh, maybe not concern, but but some, an area to keep an eye on what Iowa was going to do in the spring at that position. And adding a veteran at that spot is is really nice.
1: It is also says some cool things about you know just how Iowa is still perceived as. As a school for offensive linemen, as a way to get to the NFL, uh, I thought that was a cool story. And yeah, I think big the huge. It'll be interesting to see how he fits in, but uh, certainly not a bad thing to have a, a an experienced Big Ten offensive lineman join your team at this point in the season. Uh, Rob, you're always posting things on HawkeyeNation.com about recruiting. I know you're keeping an eye on all that. You're plugged into it. Uh, any any big recruiting news? Anything that that us fans should be uh, you know keeping an eye on, uh, following along with?
0: yeah iowa had a junior day on sunday andrew and uh gave out some offers um and interesting situation and and we have a story up on 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 the site Uh, marcus I believe his last name is pronounced Embo. Yeah, I couldn't. M- I,
1: I didn't want to say the name because I, I wasn't going to try to pronounce it.
0: See, you guys in broadcasting have to worry about those things. Right. Us us guys that uh, write for a living for or mostly write for a living, as long as I get the spelling right, I'm okay. <laughs> um,. But he was he was set to announce this Friday, but now has backed off that announcement. I had an update on that uh, this morning. I tweeted it out. Um, but we do have a story on him, and I think Iowa is well-positioned. He's an offensive lineman from Wisconsin, um, and it's good sometimes, Andrew, when these guys – You know his his recruitments really kind of picked up in the last month or so and i think he was like all right i'm gonna commit but sometimes it's good to take a step back we see all these decommitments and and guys you know uh having second thoughts if you're gonna do it if you're gonna verbally commit somewhere make sure you know make sure that you're as best as you can, and, and things change. Obviously, there's coaching changes and things like that, and other schools that come in to recruit you. But try to do the best you can to make the best decision possible, and make sure that you're you're sure of what you're of what you're deciding. So. It's probably good if he's having second thoughts to maybe back up a little bit. So, But Iowa's still well-positioned with him, and that's something to keep an eye on. Iowa did pick, a com- pick up an in-state commitment last week from Jeffrey Bowie from nearby West Branch High School. Um, a really good addition for Iowa. He's one of the top players in a, in a pretty loaded in-state class for 2021. He chose Iowa – Um, over offers from Iowa State, Indiana, Kansas State, Minnesota, Nebraska, Vanderbilt, Virginia Tech, and a bunch of other programs. So he's definitely legit. Um, They're bringing him in as a defensive end. Um, could see him at a couple different positions depending on, you know, he's 6'5", 250-ish right now. Saw him play basketball uh, earlier this month against uh, Solon, and, and he was their leading scorer and rebounder, so, so a really good athlete. You talk about a lineman that can play basketball. Um, so a good pickup there. So Iowa now has five in-state kids in this 2021 class. Uh, those would be kids that are juniors right now. Uh, in high school. They have Griffin Little from Bettendorf, Jaden Harrell from Urbandale, Zach Tweet from Roland Story, and Connor Colby from Cedar Rapids Kennedy. Uh, still with offers out to T.J. Bowlers from Clear Creek, Amana, Thomas Fedone, a high-end tight end from Council Bluffs, Lewis Central, and Brody Brecht, a wide receiver from Ankeny. So Iowa and Iowa State and other schools battling for them. But you're, you think about you know upwards of ten in-state kids with high Power Five offers in the state of Iowa. That's pretty heady, Andrew. That doesn't happen every year.
1: Now that's 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 really really cool, and yeah, of, of course keep up with all of the recruiting stuff with Rob uh, HawkeyeNation.com. we will continue to talk about football throughout the offseason as we uh, as we do this podcast each week but Rob one last thing I kind of want to hit on I don't know how big of a wrestling guy you are I uh, I wrestled a little bit in, in high school but was never real real good I, I like wrestling <laughs> but I, I'm not as plugged into it as, as you know most I, I would say a lot of Hawkeye fans are I do know this there's a big big match coming Friday night at Carver Hawkeye Arena as Penn State and Cale Sanderson, who's kind of built Penn State in, into the new Iowa, uh, come to town to, to face the now number one ranked Iowa Hawkeyes. I, I'm to the point, Rob, where again, uh, kind of on the outside looking in as a novice fan of this, I'm expecting a national championship from Iowa. I don't know if that's fair uh, to put on Tom Brands or that team, but uh, th- this will be a this this would go a long way to to increasing that expectation. I think for a lot of people, Iowa has been dominant uh in just about every duel they've had this season you know they had that one weekend in indiana where they didn't lose a match against indiana or purdue uh they they wrestled against number four penn state dominated them uh last week so so penn state coming into town i think you said you're going to be in the house uh what do you expect from this and i guess kind of how how plugged into this are you how excited are you getting for this season
0: I would say that I am not as plugged in as I am with football, men's basketball, but I I try to keep up on wrestling and women's basketball as much as I can. Um, Being the only guy for us here in Iowa City, it sometimes can be a little bit overwhelming, but I, I certainly try to keep an eye on it. And, you know, I was when... Pretty. I, I I don't think it was. You could say dominating because Ohio State did score ten points, and for w- the way Iowa's wrestled this year, um, that's a lot for, against the Hawkeyes. <laughs> right. Um, but still, twenty-four to ten against the number four team in the country. I think everybody's been pointing to this Friday, though, Andrew, against Penn State here. As you said, Penn State has become the dominant program in the country, and Iowa has been building towards this towards getting to the level of penn state and i I think some folks and me included again as somebody who's not completely locked in but it follows it thought maybe iowa would be a year away maybe next year would be the year especially especially with spencer lee kind of doing the dual usa wrestling college wrestling double this spring and and winter and spring um but he's just been amazing. He it hasn't affected him at all, and he's just destroying guys. Uh, Austin DeSanto has also been dominant. Uh, I think adding Abe Asad to the lineup. Uh, they they I think the, the idea was maybe to redshirt him, um, but Tom Brands made the decision a few duels ago to bring him on, and he, he's been really good. Um, you know, Marinelli. Um, Michael Kemmerer the, the, the guys with experience Guys that have been All-Americans are, are getting better Each duel as well And it's exciting I, I think Iowa Has a chance to, to really Really open some eyes Against Penn State On Friday Penn State is a little down. Penn State struggled at Nebraska, a team that Iowa wrestled really well against. Penn State's had some really close duels with some teams that, you know, the you know, five degrees, ten degrees of separation. However, you know, if you look at some matches that Penn State's had against teams that Iowa has dominated, and Penn State's wrestled had had tough matchups with, it's pointing to Iowa. But you never want to get overconfident, and it is Penn State and. I, I think the environment, if you've never been to a wrestling meet or a duel at Carver Hawkeye Arena, you're going to probably have a tough time getting a ticket this year. But <laughs> if you can make it out there, it is it is something to behold. And, and that's the old Iowa environment for wrestling is coming back again. Um, it's never really left. I mean, that, that fan base is so committed and and so um loyal to the iowa wrestlers that it's it's always a great environment but the the couple of duels that i've been to this year and and what i expect this friday night against penn state is really just something the sport of wrestling iowa is so far up the ladder of what it is i mean iowa is wrestling and If you can be, even if you're not a wrestling fan, if you go out there and and take part in that, you will be hooked.
1: I love it. I love it, Rob. You know, uh, I, I said that would be the last thing we would be remiss if we didn't mention the Iowa women's basketball team. Don't need to spend a lot of time on this, but obviously Sunday a huge day as they retired Megan Gustafson's jersey. The the ten now hangs from the rafters. The national player of the year last year, and you'd think you lose the national player of the year off an elite eight team, you're probably going to take a step back. It seemed like that. What three games in uh, when Iowa lost that at you and I, but since then Iowa has uh, Lisa Bluder. Has just figured this thing out. 17 and three on the season, then that one eight in a row, eight and one in the Big Ten. They're, they're number one in the Big Ten, ranked 18th right alongside the men in the, in the AP poll. Um, the, the the women's team thirty one in a row at Carver Hawkeye Arena is incredible. Uh they've been really fun to watch. You, you still have Caitlin Clark waiting in the wings coming in next season. So you thought this may be a down year in between these kind of two great players and Gustafson and Clark, and yet you hear here Iowa is and, and Lisa Bluter is number one in the Big Ten, uh, rattling off wins left and right and and just kind of has this thing rolling. It's um maybe at some point we should talk about how fun of a time it is just for all Iowa sports right now now. We, we're kind of in a in a golden era, uh, but this Iowa women's basketball team, at least to me, has been a huge surprise, and, and man, they are good.
0: Yeah, our youngest, she's nine, and she started playing basketball this year, and we, as I told you before, we started to record the podcast. We went to, uh, I missed the Sunday's Iowa women's basketball game against Michigan State when they honored Megan Gustafson by retiring her jersey. Um, I was in Mount Vernon, Iowa at an all-day volleyball tournament for our middle child and uh, the little one was mad, man. She was giving (laughs) me the stink face. She was following the game on her phone and because she loves when we go to the games. and It's nice because I get to bring her on press row with me and she thinks she's a big shot and gets to go to the (laughs) post-game press conferences, but um, it's really neat to see how much the you know younger generation looks up to these these players and, and she loves Kathleen Doyle who's just if, if you if you're not familiar with Iowa women's basketball she is the female version of Luca Garza she is a bulldog just straight ahead 110 miles an hour all the time and really she flexes like luca does all the same stuff and uh they really have a great admiration for each other i've talked to both of them about each other and they, they really um kind of feed off what each other does and to think that they lost as you said the national player of the year and two other starters, right. starters as well, Hannah Stewart and Taniah Davis, two really good players. To be seventeen and three, eight and one, um, is amazing. And it, you know they're they're similar to the men in that also that they're getting down in the second half of games and rallying and coming back. Mm. They have this. You know, thing like the men where they feed off the adversity and feel, feed off of people doubting them. And I, I think this team, Andrew, the women's basketball team, I, I think they heard all of those whispers that, ah, uh, probably a rebuilding year without Gustafson and the other two seniors. And they took it to heart and, and really, I think, legitimized this program as a, as, a you know, a perennial Big Ten contender and one of the better programs in the country and uh, it's fun to watch as you said things are going really well Gary Barda had a huge smile on his face last <laughs> night on press row and it's easy to see why with how Iowa sports are, are performing right now
1: it's great to be a Hawkeye Rob thank you so much as ever this has always been fun we will uh, we'll be back with a lot more content here on this feed and then obviously on the site nationcom you can keep up with all things Hawkeyes right here uh, and and rob and i'll be back uh sometime this week to to do another podcast rob thank you man always appreciate it thanks andrew it was fun all right thank you everybody for listening go hawks